Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. So today we have a Katina article. You want to tell us a little tidbit about what we're going to be discussing? Yes. So my article is about the role that the emotions that leaders show during times of crisis and how that impacts their followers' emotions and then how that all impacts how effective the leader is perceived to be. Mm, okay. So, so it's all yeah. about crisis yes, and all about I was leaders. Thinking, yes. I was thinking that this might be good timing. Uh, I think a lot of leaders are kind of struggling with how to uh, lead during this period of time, what would be the best way to show up for people. And so this kind of gives a good perspective on that and also shows the impact that your emotions can have on other people's emotions, which I think people are also kind of concerned about. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Well, I'm excited to dive in before we do so. It's June. Hi, future Uh, selves in June. Yes. (laughs) As a reminder to everyone, actually, this week that this is airing should be the week that little baby Johnson, Allie, our producer's baby, should be born. Um, At least the due date is in this week. So we are recording earlier to have a bunch of episodes ready for all of you um, when that happens, when baby comes. So hello to everybody in June. <laughs> and hello to the baby. <laughs> baby, little girl. <laughs> if you can hear us. <laughs> I really hope um, that baby and mom are not um, listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> yeah, that would be problematic. Like she can find other ways to spend her time as a new mom. And I'm sure the baby has other ways of spending her time as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> it's very true. Um, so how are you doing this week? This week in the past? Um. <laughs> yeah. Currently this week, but not. we don't know how we'll be doing in this week in June, I imagine. We'll I'm going to say we're good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing good. That works. Um, but yeah, now right now in recording time, um, doing pretty well. It's a Monday and I feel like, I don't know, my Mondays are always very busy. It's like, I feel like I end up front loading a lot of my stuff during the week. And so Monday mm-hmm. and Tuesday tend to be super busy. Um, but it's towards the end of the day. So I'm feeling pretty good. I feel like I was pretty productive and I'm happy to be recording with you. Yeah. How are me you? Me too. No, I'm good. Um, I did my um, my uh, sound immersion class this morning. So I started my day with like some mindfulness. Um, so that was mm-hmm. lovely. And then um, I actually spent my whole day thinking about mindfulness, writing this paper on mindfulness. Um, and that actually was more difficult to maintain mindfulness during because it was like <laughs> <laughs> very uh, – um, We've ended up making some progress on it, but it was like basically like seven hours to write two paragraphs, but they're good paragraphs now. So that's helpful. Um, (laughs) But uh, so and then, yeah, I went straight from that into recording here. So I've had a day full of things related to mindfulness, which is kind of interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, I feel like I would lose my mindfulness if I was writing two paragraphs for seven hours as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it's like it's also like you, I have to. We have to read so much stuff as we're writing because we're like writing and then we're like 
has anyone ever said this before that we could cite? And then you're like looking for stuff and like then you're like finding articles and then you find new and so like sort of like reading and writing and like searching and I don't know. It ends up the day ends up going by like faster than I think it will. And then I'm like, oh my God, this whole day went by and all I did was write two paragraphs. <laughs> but it's like more that but like it's because we're also doing all this other stuff too. So it right. feels it feels um, the impact of your day seems very small when you're like, this is what I did today. And it's like a page and you're like, <laughs> right. <laughs> but it took a, a lot to get to the page. That's what I have to tell myself. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's the other research stuff that you're doing around it. So yes, the lit reviews, it makes sense, but it's just, yes. I mean, it's gotta be tedious. I'm sure. Yeah, it is, but we'll get through it. We're almost done. Um, with the introduction yeah and the results are done and I'm launching one more experiment today tonight and then um yeah and then I'll have we'll write the rewrite the discussion and then all that stuff so it should be it's due back on the 7th of May but I think we'll need to get an extension so We'll see. It should be off my plate in like a month, I think. So, so by the time this airs, yes, it'll it will be, be out. <laughs> yes. By off the time it'll be off my plate, back under review by the time this airs. Hopefully that would make me very happy. Well, that's exciting. Um, yeah. Yes. So it'll all get done eventually. But yeah, that's basically what I was doing today. Nothing too exciting. And then over the weekend, I... Did some virtual hangouts. Um, I know you did, too. You had a virtual mm-hmm. happy hour. Yes, I did. We had a few this weekend. Um, started off with one on Friday, which was really nice. It was um, with some friends of ours that live up in the Bay Area, including our officiant from our wedding and his boyfriend and our other friend, couple friends. So it was like three couples on the phone. It was That's fun. nice. That's yeah. fun. Did you throw your burritos? <laughs> oh goodness yeah we talked about throwing burritos last we last did. time we recorded um we threw the burritos but we didn't really play the game oh. it was more just fun to throw the burritos actually <laughs> danny threw a burrito at me when i had a virtual hangout with ali our producer we talked about already and my friend rachel um so they're both my friends from high school and we were on zoom and i got hit in the face with the burrito rude (laughs) (laughs) that is rude he wasn't aiming for my face luckily but because all of a sudden i get hit in the face i just hear him go (gasps) i was like oh gosh (laughs) so i think it surprised him when it hit me in the face too yeah Um, so everybody's like why is he throwing burritos at your face (laughs) luckily these burritos are very soft it's not like an actual burrito it's a game Um, so for anyone who didn't listen to the last episode, it's a game called Throw Throw Burrito, which has like these squishy burritos. I did not get like an actual burrito thrown at my face, <laughs> even though that well, visual good. is kind of hilarious. <laughs> I just imagine it breaking and beans flying everywhere. <laughs> an actual burrito to the face sounds absolutely terrible <laughs> sour cream just like dripping down your chin it would uh, just <laughs> that is so bad no but it is funny because like i'm sure i mean unless somebody knew that you bought that game like i'm sure if you were on a virtual call it might look like you actually got hit with an actual burrito <laughs> uh, luckily yeah luckily it did not 
it has a smiley face like the the, the oh, toy yeah. burrito okay. does not look real um. <laughs> your burritos don't smile at you regularly <laughs> no they do not um wow. not at all but actually i saw um one of my coworkers posted something online where they bought like jumbo throw throw burrito and it comes with like basically beach ball burritos what? And it's for you to play in the yard. Like, obviously, we can't oh. do that in our house because that would be, like, our entire apartment would just be full of giant blown-up burritos. But um, <laughs> if you have a nice big yard, so, like, her she, her and her kids got it, and they're, like, playing with these huge blow-up burritos. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. This is a whole craze I didn't know anything about, and now I'm learning so much about this burrito life. Yeah, burrito life. Quarantine life is burrito life, I guess. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's very enjoyable. Yeah, we had, I forget, on Friday and Saturday, we didn't, I don't think we had any virtual happy hours. We kind of just like stuck to ourselves, but yesterday we had one. Um, and so that was fun. But cool. yeah, yeah, it was a good time good time no burritos but you know we'll figure it out maybe one day maybe one day um you're inspiring me so tell me tell me all about this leader stuff that you were talking okay. about okay let's dive into this article i want to know more okay sure so this article as i mentioned is discussing what happens when companies go through a crisis um, and it could be an externally imposed crisis or an internally imposed crisis. So like something that happens that the company has absolutely no control over or something that the company had some control over. Um, in this instance, while the current crisis that we're going through is one that, um, you know, companies did not have any control over. Um, in this instance, they're looking at something that the company did have control over. However, um, I think that probably the results are transferable to decisions on how to handle things because there are lots of different options on how to handle it. So I'll talk a little bit more about that, but there's probably some relationship uh, between these findings and what would happen with regard to the way that your company's deciding to handle the decisions that it's making with this like external crisis. Mm -hmm. um, and so basically they're looking at when a crisis happens, what kind of emotions should the leader express so that people feel that the leader is actually effective um and people feel that the leader is actually um doing a good job so what's the article so, called and yes the article yeah. is called the effects of leader negative emotions on evaluations of leadership in a crisis situation the role of anger and sadness and it's by juan madera and d brent smith and um it was published in the leadership quarterly in 2009 so it's a little bit of an older article but there's not that much stuff on crisis in our literature so i had to go back a little bit Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And 2009 is interest is an interesting year because it came out in, like in the middle of the recession. Yes. Yes. So I think it was also sort of top of mind at that period of time as well. Mm -hmm. So basically what this article discusses is how leaders generally use expression of emotions to try to help convey messages in all different kinds of circumstances. But it's particularly important what kind of emotions they show in a crisis because people are looking to the leader to try to understand what's going on and how to interpret the impact that the crisis might have on the company. So even though it's important for leaders to think about the emotions that they're conveying all the time and how it might impact the emotions of their employees, 
it's particularly important to think about your emotions when people are really looking to you to try to interpret what's going on and how should we feel about it. Um, emotions are really important because um, they are contagious. So um, uh, we probably have talked about this before on the podcast, but um, especially negative emotions catch on very quickly. So when you see someone displaying an emotion, positive or negative, it's likely to enact um, that same kind of emotion in you and you're likely to mimic that emotion back to the person. So if someone's really happy, you're likely to feel happier and then mimic that happiness back to them. Or if someone's really sad, you're likely to feel sadder and then you mimic that sadness back. And in the meantime, if you see five other people and you're mimicking that sadness, that sadness can also catch to them and then they are mimicking sadness back to you. So emotions can kind of catch on in a contagious way. And that's mm -hmm. one reason why it's important for leaders to be aware of the influence of their emotions because people pay specific attention to, to leaders' emotions given they're in charge of kind of setting the tone. That makes a lot of sense. I'm just thinking like, I'm thinking of other types of crises outside of just what we're dealing with with COVID-19. But um, like if there's a layoff, for example, right? People look to their leaders to after the layoff's over, they look to their leaders and the emotions they're expressing and emotions they're feeling to understand, like, should I still be scared? Is this going to be okay? Like, does it, did it, was it actually a, a decision that made sense? Like, how are they reacting? Especially like if you're not at the very, very top leadership levels, right? So if you're reporting to someone that got this message reported down to them, you often will look to your boss to see what that emotion is, um, to know how you should be feeling about the bigger picture, um, mm -hmm. and layoffs, I think are just an easy example, but it could be about anything that's going on in the company restructuring and, you know, acquisitions, all those kinds of things, um, yeah. can cause a lot of fear and anxiety and people will look to see like, how do their leaders react? How do they behave? What are their emotions so that they know how to react to? Yeah, definitely. And so like, since leaders are in particular spotlight, their emotions are particularly catchy and particularly influential on the way that the group moves forward with how they feel. So um, if you're a leader, it's really important to be aware of your emotions because you're setting in motion um, similar emotions to a greater extent than other people in the organization might be. Um, so with that being said, in a crisis, there are a lot of different emotions that are usually going on. And um, being conscious about what kinds of emotions you display is particularly important because as we're saying, leader emotions are particularly catchy, but also because people are particularly panicked and feeling ambiguous and looking for guidance in a crisis situation. So there are like two reasons why the emotions are, the role of emotions are particularly heightened in a crisis period of time. Um, so this, as the title suggests, the article looks at the impact of sadness and anger in responding to a crisis. And it also looks at the combination of sadness and anger. So de demonstrating them both at once. And what it basically argues or it wants to examine is whether or not either of these emotions would be sufficient in themselves and whether or not the combination of emotions might be the most productive. And the reason they feel that way, they set out to sort of look at this, is because sadness might be an emotion that leaders could show in a time of crisis that could, on one hand, demonstrate weakness so people might think, oh, if this person's just like sad and crying or whatever, like they don't have a plan, they don't have a solution, they're like wallowing in this. And so like that's not helpful and they might not feel confident that the person knows how to solve it. 
On the flip side, showing sadness also shows people that you're like warm and you're able to show sympathy or you might have empathy for what's going on. Um, and so from that perspective, showing that you have some concern um, and that you recognize the, you know, the emotion underlying whatever the crisis situation is can give people um, some signal that you're a human person that they can connect with and feel good about you like leading them because that's going to be top of mind for you, you as well. So um, what they kind of thought was going to happen in the paper was that uh, they predicted that sadness would actually have a negative impact on its own. But if you could find some way to address that perception of weakness in portraying sadness, that the combination of another emotion with sadness might be good because it allows you to get the positive aspects of sadness, but make up for the negative aspects of sadness. Right. So with anger, it's kind of like the negative aspect is strength and seeming weak. If you're adding in the emotion of anger, anger is kind of a stronger emotion. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And so anger on the on the positive side shows people that you have strength. So it might make up for the sadness and weakness piece if you display it in conjunction with sadness. But on its own, um, anger might it might show people that you're strong, but the downside might be that people might see you as like intimidating or that you're mean or that you're um, unable to experience like empathy or sympathy. So anger on its own might be kind of overwhelming for people and they might not resonate with it. But sadness and anger together might have a good buffering combination because then you're seen as strong, but you're also seen as empathetic. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, this is probably something we'll talk about. Did they ever look at gender at all? They did not. So that's something that I think they should do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, and the reason why I'm bringing that up just for everybody's sake is, you know, there's differences in the way different genders are perceived when they express emotion, right? Like sadness is even more of a weakness for a woman than it would be for a man. For example, anger can be more negative for a woman than for a man. So just thinking about yeah. that is something important to, th to keep in mind as well. Yes. Yes. So they maintained the gender. So I'll talk a little bit about um, how they did the study in a second, but people read a story about a person. And mm -hmm. so they kept the gender male across the stories, but they didn't control for the participant gender. So whether or not the gender of the participant impacted how they viewed the leader. Mm -hmm. Okay. So but the leader is yeah. always male. So that's, the leader is always male. That yes. makes sense. Yes. Um, so, um, so they were interested in examining whether anger and sadness could sort of make up for each other in response to a crisis. Um, and then they were also interested in how the combination of emotions that leaders um, portrayed actually made followers feel more or less positive. So we know that negative and positive affect, um, you know, feeling a lot of negative emotions or feeling a lot of positive emotions are related to your wellness. Um, so the more positive emotions you feel, the more positive things you recognize in your environment and the better you feel, the more negative emotions you feel, the more negative things you notice in your environment and the more stressed and um, focused in on negativity you become. So when you have an impact on followers to promote those kinds of 
actions, it has an impact on your followers' wellness because it can either put them in a good mood or it can put them in a bad mood. And um, what they were trying to look at was the extent to which the participants felt negatively about the way that the leader responded um, might provoke negative emotions. So on one hand, they might just catch whatever the emotion is that the leader gets. On the other hand, they might, if they feel like sadness is appropriate as an emotion, let's say, that might make them feel positively because they agree that that's the right thing to do for the leader to express that sadness. They feel positive about the leader's reaction. Um, so they kind of went into this uh, thinking um, that if the if the participants either felt that the emotion was the wrong emotion and or the emotion was negative, that that would probably have the most negative impact. So um, you can portray a negative emotion, but if I feel positively about the fact that you portrayed it, that's probably a little bit better than portraying a negative emotion and feeling like, ooh, and also that was like not the right emotion or that's not the emotion that I agree you should be expressing right now. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So there's like two different types of emotions going on at the same time, right? Yes. The leader yes. has an emotion and then you react to that emotion. That emotion yes. is it the right response, the wrong response. If it's the right response, I at least feel, even if it's sad, I at least feel good because that's what I think they should feel versus if they're sad and I think, oh, why are they sad? That's not right. That's going to make it worse. Yes, exactly. Yep. Um, so, and then they felt like the affective response of the participant, if the participant was put in a worse mood from viewing the leader's response, then the worse mood they were in, the worse they would evaluate the leader, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they also added in another piece, which was that in this study, they looked at a product recall. So this was like an internal crisis. As I mentioned at the beginning, they didn't look at an external crisis, like, COVID or something that's more out of your control. Um, so they also looked at the extent to which whether or not the leader took responsibility for and said, like, I'm responsible for this product recall, if that changed the way that the, the emotions were responded to. So does it matter if I'm angry or sad in the face of taking responsibility? Is that something that matters to people when they're interpreting my emotions um, in a crisis? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what did they find? Yeah. So they had people go into the lab and they read um, basically a a news clip vignette. Um, and that basically described um, a corporate leader who uh, whose company is recalling their best-selling product. And the line either said, corporate leader Michael Wirth says he does not accept or he does accept responsibility for the recall of the corporation's best-selling product. So that was the headline that they read. And in one condition, people said, saw that he didn't accept. And in another one, people saw that he accepted responsibility. And then basically what they did was they wrote this news article, this fake news article that basically interviews this guy uh, who's the CEO of this company. Um, and he basically either says he's angry. So like they say, when asked how he felt, Worth replied, who wouldn't be angry? And then some people got who wouldn't be sad and some people got who wouldn't be also angry and sad. Um, and then uh, and then later they say things like visibly angry, Worth said this, or visibly sad, Worth said this, or visibly angry, and but also sad, he said this. So they basically manipulate what emotions you think this person is um, expressing as well as whether or not 
you think that person um, took responsibility. So basically what they found was that if you expressed anger and sadness or sadness alone, you were seen as more effective. But if you expressed anger by itself, that was no good. Mm. So people don't like when you're just angry. But this was only true in the condition where the person shirked the responsibility. So if you're not going to take responsibility for it and then you're also expressing anger, that's problematic. So um, basically, if you're going to say, I had nothing to do with this and I'm also so angry that it's happening, that's the least favorable response that someone could show. Um, If you're going to take responsibility for it, actually, the taking responsibility overshadows the fact that you're showing other emotions and people just generally like you because you're actually taking responsibility for what you can take responsibility for. So taking responsibility ends up basically covering for whatever emotion because if you're saying you're responsible for it, people kind of give you leeway to feel about it however you want. It's only when you're trying to say you're irresponsible that people are upset by angry emotions. That's so interesting. Okay, so if I'm a leader and something is my fault, I take the blame my emotions don't matter as much. I say, this is the reason, you know, I take responsibility for this problem. Um, and then I can be sad or angry, whatever. Everyone's kind of like, they're almost giving you leeway that, okay, well now you can deal with your own emotions and how you feel about yourself in this situation because you, you are the reason or you're taking that responsibility. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm a leader though, when I don't take responsibility and then I'm just mad, then that makes, I feel like that would make people in a lot of ways, anxious, like, who are you mad at? How are you going to deal mm-hmm. with that anger? Um, versus with the sadness part and the sadness and anger, like that sadness softens it. But an angry CEO that's not to blame for anything um, just as bad. Well, it also makes yes. sense, too, because it's like I'm recalling a product. I'm leading this organization. How am I taking no, I think there's probably also a component here of like, well, how is this person taking no responsibility? Like they are the leader, even if they didn't actively do anything, they should take some Mm -hmm. responsibility for it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, And also um, they found that when you feel negatively about your leader, you also feel more negatively. So it does catch on when someone is upset with the way that you handled it. So when the leader expressed anger, people felt more negatively, and then that influenced their evaluation. So um, if you want to be viewed positively, sort of a solution is to take responsibility for what you can take responsibility for. That helps to give you some more leeway in how you respond. Um, But if you are not going to take responsibility, it's a little bit of a risky road you should be prepared to uh, handle your emotions very carefully because if you're not expressing some level of sadness over what's going on, people are going to see you as like overly callous or um, not concerned with anyone else's well-being than your own. Um, And so that's a really important takeaway. Plus, it'll put people in a bad mood, which then leads to negative downstream consequences that they didn't measure in this paper but that we know is true from the literature that when people are in a bad mood at work, they don't perform as well, et cetera. So you're setting your team up for, um, it's not just, if you're trying to make yourself look better by not taking responsibility, and then you're also acting angry about the situation, you're not doing anyone any favors. You look bad and your team will end up performing worse. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it just, honestly, it almost makes me feel like, I don't know, 
this is like kind of going on a tangent, but I feel like in certain political situations, like when you're watching things with leaders of different parties and whatever, um, you know, everyone has their own opinions and beliefs. But I feel like if you see someone saying something that you don't agree with and then they're showing certain emotions, I feel like you have these reactions and I feel like it's somewhat, I don't know. I just, it resonated with me my example in my head. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> go into too much detail, but um I just feel like there's something to be said about someone, you know, not taking any responsibility and then showing um, an emotion when you know that in the end that person is some like has some responsibility for it. Mm -hmm. It just makes you mad and then you get mad and then you get upset and then your mood is ruined and then. Yeah, and then that obviously leads to other consequences versus the opposite where they take responsibility, then it's like easier to kind of let go of the actual problem, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and people in both conditions disliked the angry alone condition the most. Um it was just significantly um stronger in the condition where they didn't take responsibility. So it's never a good thing. It's never your best option just to display anger, but especially if you're going to shirk responsibility, it's bad. So, um, and I think another kind of, um, takeaway thought about this is that, you know, when you're approaching these kinds of problems, uh, even in a circumstance that, um, and this is not in the paper, but I was just thinking about this as I was reading the article. Um, even if you're not in a circumstance where it's like, in this case, it's a product recall and the crisis is clearly, caused by something going on within the organization, even if it's something external, like we think about like COVID going on right now, right? Like while no one can control exactly what's going on, companies do have options and how they handle it and how they communicate and what goes down. And Mm -hmm. also like, you know, governors and the president, you know, like there's lots of people (laughs) that have responsibility for how this thing is handled. And so, and it's not like you only have one option. So if you pick an option that doesn't go over well and then try to shirk responsibility for doing that, that's not a good thing to do. So even in situations that are out of your control, I would imagine that because people are still looking to you in the same way for guidance, your emotions are still going to mean something to them. And whether or not you accept responsibility for what is within your span of control is going to be heightened because of the crisis situation that you're in it probably is still not a good idea to shirk responsibility for what you do have control over, even if you're not causing the crisis, if that makes sense. That does make sense. It makes me think about, um, like, one thing I've been thinking a lot about during this whole COVID crisis is cash flow of businesses, right? And how does that money get used, you know, big profits at the end of the year, you know, are they being divvied up to stakeholders and shareholders? You know, what bonuses are going out? Things like that. Things that people are not, or companies are not holding on to money to save in situations like this. And I feel like we're seeing these examples just play out like crazy right now, where there's a lot of examples of companies that maybe had huge profits, but then that money is not in their bank as a business. It's gone to people, right? And so now when those profits would be very helpful to maintain the business, 
there's no money to actually do that. Mm-hmm. And that is something that even if, you know, the leaders of the company cannot predict that they're going to need that backup cash in 2020, that is a decision that was made that the mm-hmm. leaders do have responsibility over. And so yeah. in my personal opinion, the way that I'm watching things, I'm like, okay, like you can't just say, well, we have to furlough everybody because we just don't have the money. And then like, that's it. And you don't feel, and you know, there's no responsibility taken. And maybe mm-hmm. you're like, to that, this point of showing anger, maybe you're showing anger that like, you have to do this and it sucks. But you, if you're not taking responsibility, like you as a leader that has to implement these really tough things, you do have some responsibility. You know, unless the, if your business wasn't making a profit, then that's a whole different story. But if you are one of those companies where you have a big profit and it doesn't, there's no allocation for emergency situations, then it is your responsibility. And you might be really sad and upset and angry that you have to furlough employees, for example. But if you're not being upfront with that being something that you're to blame for you have some control over um i could see how the followers would get even more upset and so now you're furloughing people that are angry with you and are in even worse moods mm-hmm. i mean being furlough is already bad but now they're angry at you because you're not really being upfront and like taking some ownership and responsibility for the way that money was allocated at the end of the fiscal years and so now your furloughed people are just pissed off at you too that doesn't really help you when they want to when you want them to come back yeah a hundred percent I think that that's a really great point because that's kind of what I was thinking about too that even though this article was about stuff that's internally you know driven it doesn't mean that there's like zero responsibility for your response to an external crisis and that people aren't looking to like their organizational leaders and saying like well how did our company handle this And I think some companies will come out ahead and other companies will not um, in terms of how favorably people view them after this is over. Um, And so, you know, and obviously for some companies, you know, depending upon the industry, it might be really difficult to be able to continue to do business as usual. But in other industries or other companies, you know, uh, there might be a little more leeway. And if people are seeing other folks that are in similar industry handle things differently, and they're unhappy with your response, um, instead of trying to shirk the responsibility for it, it would probably be good to own up um, and, you know, let people know that, you know, this was a really um, upsetting time. You're really sad about how things were ha- were handled. Um, you're frustrated on their behalf. Um, and that the only thing you can do is move forward together into like a better tomorrow. Like that, the article suggests that that would probably be your best bet. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I do think it's very relevant. So any leaders out there listening right now, you know, if something didn't go perfectly, if you maybe didn't make the right decisions or the organization didn't make the right decisions right away, you can recover from it and talk about, um, you know, how you're feeling it, sadness and anger, but making sure that you're owning up to the fact that you made those decisions and no one's going to do everything perfectly in this current climate in this current crisis but that doesn't mean you have a free pass people will want you to own up to the things that you did do that maybe weren't the best yeah that's accurate super interesting well is there anything else that we should know or think about from this article no i think that's about it um this is you know obviously an article about people going through a tough time and 
like you said, nobody's perfect. Um, and I don't think people expect you to be perfect, but they do expect you to be human. And I think um, showing that you understand your weaknesses and that you're willing to show a range of emotions, even vulnerable emotions, helps people to know that even if you made a misstep, you're a person and they can still have faith that you understand that human connection, which makes them more confident in your ability to continue to lead. Yeah, that makes sense. And then it also helps them not feel as bad and it helps their wellness. So help your people's yes. wellness too by just being yes. a little bit more aligned with your emotions and what message you're sharing and not just being angry at nobody when maybe you're a little responsible. Yep, totally. <laughs> totally agree. Totally agree. Well, thank you so much for sharing this article, Katina. Yeah, thank you for listening. Of course. And we'd love to hear from all of you listeners. Um, send us a note. Let us know what you think. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com. You can find us on social media at workerbeing on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And always, you can find us on our website, which is workerbeing.com. So thank you so much for listening. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabarek and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. Oh.